This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Welcome to Business Executive Interviews, brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. For more information, visit Flevy.com. That's F-L-E-V-Y, Flevy.com. Our guest on this segment is qualified as a chartered accountant from India, which is the India equivalent of a U.S. CPA. He has a career of over 20 years in equity research, investment management, and he conducts training programs in equity research and value investing. He's been doing this for the last several years, managing personal portfolio of Indian stocks. Joining us on the line from Mumbai, India, is Nitin Kandar. (coughs) Nitin, welcome to the program. Hi, David. Thanks. Absolutely. So uh, let's start at the top. Uh, you have a background in investing. Where did this all start for you? Uh, yes, David. I qualified as a chartered accountant in uh, the mid-1990s. And my family had a bit of uh, history of investing. I think my great-grandfather used to hold Indian stocks, uh, you know, maybe 100 years back or so. Hmm. So then the investing... Uh, got passed on from generation to generation. So my father ended up with some stocks. And, you know, I was interested in the uh, market and I used to receive the annual reports of companies at my home when I was a kid. And I used to kind of uh, flip through them. And then I followed that up with a graduate degree in commerce and with uh, the chartered accountant designation. And India was opening up in those days, in the mid-1990s, uh, Indian economy opened up and you know, foreign funds were allowed to invest in India. And uh, it was all, all happening. India was a happening place. Equity research was a new profession in those days and uh, it had a lot of promise, as it does today as well. Besides, I was not really interested in the typical uh, work of a chartered accountant, which is the audits and the taxation work. And I felt that my background and interest were perfectly aligned for a career in the equities markets. So that's how I started uh, both. One is my personal investing and my career in the equity markets. 
Nitin, you mentioned uh, in that story that as a child you were looking at annual reports from a variety of companies. Uh, they all tell a story. What did you learn from looking at these annual reports and, and how does that fold into the method of investing you do today? Do you consider yourself a value investor or are you looking at price behavior or some combination of those things? So there's a lot packed into that question. Absolutely. Uh, the first uh, few steps in value investing uh, comprise of you know the uh, study and analysis of the annual report itself. And yes, I'm uh, very much a value investor and I'm not into the uh, price behavior of stocks per se. I do not do uh, much of you know intraday uh, trading or uh, positional trading either. I'm more of a patient buy and hold kind of investor. So I would probably start off with a short list of say 100 stocks identified on the basis of certain filters primarily uh, quantitative, but I would also add a few qualitative parameters to it as the management's uh, reputation, their track record, and uh, so on. I would further distill this shortlist uh, for stocks which appear attractive at that point in time, since it's not enough to buy a good company, but to buy a good company at a good price. Because you can get saddled with losses if you buy a good stock, but at a fancy valuation, so I would uh, keep screening, you know, I would keep distillating my shortlist and possibly from the 100 stocks that I've shortlisted in the initial screening, I would uh, look at maybe, you know, not more than uh, uh, a dozen or a couple of dozen max at any point in time. Is there in doing that, and this analysis, of course, is probably as much an art as it is a science, particularly if you're looking at the quality of management, as you suggest, is there a disciplined approach to what you consider to be a good price? In other words, this is the quantitative part of it. How do you know that a stock might be mispriced at the present time? Well, there are two ways in which a stock could be mispriced. One, when the stock is underpriced, and two, obviously, the stock is overpriced. So let us talk about the underpriced stocks. So obviously where I can see that the management has a good track record of delivering sales growth, maintaining profit margins, and delivering a superior ROE, which is uh, return on equity to its shareholders. I consider that as a good management. Plus I would have apply filters like the manager compensation, how much money the CEO pays himself in salaries every year. Yeah. So, uh, you know, these are the couple of filters that I would uh, use to further uh, augment my investment case. So management track record and promoter uh, transaction, the founder transactions is something that I, that I would uh, very closely scrutinize to ensure that the, the founder is looking at generating wealth not only for himself, but for the minority shareholders as well. Sure. Is there a typical length of time that you plan to hold stocks? And if so, why that time frame? Well, David, I have observed from my personal experience that uh, even a good stock can take its own time to get discovered by the market or to, to get re-rated as uh, the analyst or the investing community nomenclature goes. So the re-rating can happen at, it, at its own pace. So, you know, it's not that it's not enough that you identify a stock and buy it. But then one has to have the patience to hold it at least for such length of time or such period of time as is required for the market to realize it as well. Because unless or until other people buy the stock, 
the value of your own holdings will not really move up in uh, regardless of how good your analysis is so i have observed that the typical uh, period over which this re-rating could happen ranges from anywhere uh, anywhere from 1 to 2, 1 to 3 years so i would hold a stock at least for a year before i decide to you know review revisit my investment case mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how the fundamentals have improved or deteriorated in the intervening period before i decide to you know kind of either exit it or you know look for other opportunities to replace the stock with talking about my personal portfolio my highest holding is an indian stock that i've been holding almost for the last 24 years wow and i haven't really you know sold uh, any of it uh, thankfully so far sure what what are the kinds of situations that might trigger an exit for you you mentioned 1 to 3 years but obviously this is a dynamic idea so what might trigger uh, an exit in your case well the exit would be triggered by a drastic uh, uh, change in the fundamentals one is a new competitor to my portfolio company coming up or you know some key managers personally leaving uh, my investor company some technological changes which you know make the company's business model uh, questionable going ahead yeah or some negative news about the founder themselves i mean yeah. when i buy a stock i make sure that you know i am comfortable uh, with the management team sure Sure. But at times it happens, you know, even the most research stocks uh, throw up some ugly surprises, as we have seen in the U.S. with companies like Enron and WorldCom and uh, Tycoon and whatnot. Yes, yes. So one has to be uh, prepared for negative surprises all the time. So I would really uh, revisit my decision and uh, possibly exit the stock if there were some negative developments about the business model or about the uh, founders or management. or simply if the stock had run up too much so as to warrant a correction anyway yeah so if i exit a stock on the basis of the stretch valuations probably it's with an intent to buy it again at a lower uh, level provided i'm convinced that you know the uh, rise is a bubble and you know it's not going to sustain in the foreseeable future in your methodology there is of course some aspect of price behavior not in the sense of momentum or uh, day trading or anything like that but even it, mm-hmm. it, as an, a fundamentalist who looks at quality of management and balance sheet uh, health and all of these things we've talked about so far in the case of a correction i mean that is really a price behavior phenomena but it's triggered by news it's triggered by abrupt change or surprise in management those can be challenging environments to work in aren't they absolutely and uh, i would possibly try to restrict exits uh, purely on the basis of fundamentals or valuations rather yeah. uh, on the basis of valuation because you know at times it does uh, turn out that you know i was simply not aware of something happening inside the company not being a company inside myself which is triggering this kind of you know uh, buying and price action in the stock so i would yes definitely uh, not to you know wish to exit every stock which has run up Nitin uh, Kandar is our guest. He's uh, visiting with us from Mumbai. I'm curious, Nitin, in the work you do, are you an active CPA or the equivalent of a CPA in India now, or are you strictly managing investments? And uh, I'm curious. I see that you manage your own investments, but do you do this for others as well? Well, no, I'm not a practicing uh, chartered accountant per se. Okay. I'm qualified as a chartered accountant, but not uh, practicing as one. 
So my entire focus is on the uh, equity investment that I have in my personal portfolio. And I don't really take on uh, external clients. Interesting. So you've developed and memorized your uh, methodology in a set of frameworks that you publish on the Flevi.com platform. Tell us a little bit about what we can find on Flevi. Well, I uploaded a couple of uh, models on Flevi.com where, you know, I have uh, constructed the financial model on uh, one or two Indian companies, which uh, Mm, appear exciting to me. Nice. Model is uh, aimed at giving the uh, end user a good sense of what the company uh, company's financial track record has been over the last several years, coupled with a couple of triggers in the uh, company on the fundamental side. But I exclude uh, including the financial projections uh, for the future because I think that's something that uh, the end user can possibly do by using, you know, some kind of plug and play method of yeah. his own. Yeah, this is good. It's a way of them kind of crawling into your brain, your world, your approach, the way you see this environment, this ecosystem. What advice uh, beyond these uh, models that you've uploaded to Flevi, any other advice you would offer to uh, wannabe investors, folks that are looking to get into the market? My advice would be uh, adopt the value investing approach. Now, having said that, I realize that uh, the global global markets are flush with uh, liquidity. The global markets are at uh, all-time highs, whether it is the Dow Jones of the U.S. or the uh, Bombay Stock Exchange, Sensex. But at the end of the day, one has to have a very long-term approach to investing and not get taken in by the short-term uh, rallies or corrections in the market. It's very easy to get tempted by the price movements of stocks. But if you enter a stock at the wrong valuation, then you know you could be in for an ugly surprise. So invest in education, get updated on the uh, fundamentals of value investing, Read a lot uh, of the books and articles written by value investors around the world. Learn yourself, learn for yourself the art of value investing. And uh, most importantly, very diligently apply the principles of value investing to your personal investing decisions. Ultimately, the aim of uh, an individual investor should be to create a portfolio for the future. I mean, that's how I call it, building a portfolio for the future. So not avoid looking at the next uh, couple of years plan for your life, plan to have a sizable corpus with you by the time you retire. So start at say 25, 30 at latest, if not sooner than that. And by the time you retire, you know, 30 years from now, maybe, you know, you will possibly have beaten inflation and, you know, left for yourself a very sizable uh, corpus for your retirement. Some good advice from Nitin Kandar. He's an investor joining us from Mumbai. One last question before I let you go. As you mentioned, Nitin, we're, we're in what you might call an extended period of growth in markets worldwide. Can you explain or, or what are your insights about this phenomenon? This is somewhat unusual, isn't it, historically? Agreed. The uh, market valuations uh, are no longer inexpensive. In fact, the uh, global market cap to GDP ratio is you know at a very high level of around 143% or so. Wow. So that in, uh, indicates that the markets are in fact getting expensive. So one has to be uh, cautious uh, from the current levels because markets uh, just like economies, they tend to move in cycles. Yeah. So we have had a good run on the Dow for the last couple of years, especially uh, 
to be very precise, since you know around 12 months back when uh, President Trump came to power, I think since that time the uh, U.S. stocks have performed extraordinarily well. Nobody wants the rally to end, but you know, as the saying goes, uh, something has to go wrong when you know, when you least expect it. So stick to your two quality stocks. Be a bit cautious. Don't uh, be uh, you know over uh, enthusiastic about valuations. Don't uh, stretch yourself too thin, and don't leverage yourself. Is you know are these are some of the ways in which uh, one can uh, protect oneself from the market downsides. Deploy your capital very cautiously. So in case there is a correction, you know one can uh, average out on the good stocks that one holds in one portfolio. And have patience. Have a, 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 a horizon of at least you know three years for you to make some meaningful meaningful returns on your uh, stocks portfolio. Some excellent advice from Nitin Kendar. He's the founder at BQInvestTraining.com. Joining us for this podcast from Mumbai, India. Thank you so much for joining us on the program, Nitin. Very happy to be here, David. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Business Executive Interviews, brought to you by Flevy.com. Improve the growth and efficiency of your organization by leveraging Flevy's library of business frameworks and analysis tools. Find them at Flevy.com. That's F-L-E-V-Y, Flevy.com. Remember, you can hear more interviews like these by subscribing to the Flevy.com channel on YouTube or the Business Executive Interviews podcast on iTunes.